Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org. Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Jean Till, and on today's show, we're visiting with Father Alex Kramer, who is at the Gregorian University and continuing a degree in canon law. Well, we won't get into arcane matters of canon law, but it'll be interesting to have a, a young priest perspective of mm-hmm. life in Rome. A lot happening in Rome these days. We know last Saturday there was the consistory where our Holy Father named 21 new cardinals, created 21 new cardinals from around the world. He picks mm-hmm. uh, dioceses maybe that are not uh, typical sees where uh, someone who was to be given the red hat, uh, but he's also returned to places where we would be familiar with one, Cardinal Grzegorz Reese of uh, Wutz, uh, Wutz, uh, Poland. Uh, it's uh, hard to say <laughs> some of those phonemes, some of those yeah. phonemes. But uh, the first member of the Polish Bishops' Conference, who Pope Francis has created a cardinal, and he, one who I think has been very much, though he was a, a scholar and, and teacher, uh, one who's kind of engaged the forces of secularization, uh, familiar with the neocatechumen. Uh, Bishop Sebastian Francis is a new cardinal from Malaysia, not a place mm. that has always produced a, a pastor in that way. The 71-year-old Archbishop of Penang and born in the Strait of Malacca, but one who uh, has been in the United States as a seminary formator at Marino School of Theology. So not uh, a whole lot of American flavor there. There are two with American connections, but uh, these who are, I think, going to be the ones carrying the new evangelization, and obviously, ultimately, one day, we pray well off, uh, be choosing Pope Francis' successor also. So, And then uh, carrying right into the uh, Synod, which maybe we'll ask uh, Father Alex to comment mm-hmm. on as well. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, so many good things happening. Uh, our own priests of the Diocese of Des Moines were gathered this past week on our annual priest workshop. Uh, we ventured into Hawkeye territory this time in <laughs> Coralville. Uh, we kind of trying to rotate each year. It's mm-hmm. a movable feast. But we were blessed to have Professor Roland Miller speak to us about marriage and family life from both religious and kind of cultural perspectives. And uh, one who's very steeped in this, he served as a member of the theology department in Kentucky and Franciscan University, Christendom, but now is at the John Paul II Foundation, uh, director of clergy initiatives in Houston. So uh, I think really helped our, our brothers to kind of, again, focus on those pastoral challenges. How do we support and accompany families? What are the things that, uh, you know, obviously single-parent families, other challenges there, and I think uh, really kind of encouraged us but also brought things too. And then uh, kind of in the spirit of Father Kramer, uh, Auxiliary Bishop Joseph Perry of Chicago was with us also, again, looking at the ways in which we can can draw people into the, the, the kind of sacramental life but ordering them in a way, and so yes, the canon law. But but how is this also to equip us to to gain and to order all of our relationships and the the pastoral challenges that we ensure that couples are showing uh, those seeds and promise of, of a relationship. So, um, you know, we didn't put you and John through your paces too much, Gene. You know, <laughs> two years ago, but uh, and you know you have weathered your own uh, winds of the spirit. But uh, that fidelity and the capacity you have uh, of deep faith, both you and, mm-hmm. and John, in a beautiful way. So I think our priests come together. And, of course, it's just great to hang out with each other, mm-hmm. to socialize, laugh at oneself and laugh at each other. And I think deepen that fraternal bond that we have. So that was a great grace to to take part in that. The brotherhood's our, important. Amen. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, very conscious also of the uh, the challenges that uh, and the attack on our Catholic family around the world. 
the, the Russian drones that attacked the Lviv, Ukraine, Caritas Spes facility mm. uh, with uh, generators stocked uh, by the Vatican and other charitable sources trying to help the Ukrainian people to get ready for uh, the winters, the harsh winters that we can identify with here. And uh, so how can that not be a targeted attack on a humanitarian level and not with a military goal there as well? But uh, So we pray for those people as well as others in uh, Libya, in uh, Syria, in all many places that experience hardship. Uh, and then looking forward on a positive level, uh, this weekend the uh, oils of confirmation will flow in abundance. Uh, we'll be at Our Lady's Immaculate Heart in Ankeny and Sacred Heart in West Des Moines. So the grace is That's a the beginning of the Spirit. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be visiting with Father Alex Kramer from the Gregorian University, where he is continuing uh, his education towards a degree in canon law. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Skeffington's Formal Wear. In business since 1951, with locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Coralville, and Ankeny. Skeffington's Formal Wear, fitting you for life celebrations. Online at skeffingtons.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Integrative Psychology Services, a private practice of Catholic therapists offering individual and family therapy for adults and adolescents. Learn more at intpsychology.com. Explore Seven Mysteries of the Faith Unlocked by the Holy Eucharist, Thursday, October 19th at 6.30 p.m. at St. Joseph in Winterset. Catholic Answers staff apologist Joe Heschmeyer will show how a right understanding of the Eucharist is key for understanding both the New and Old Covenants, early Christianity, and your own spiritual life. Plus, view the Eucharistic Miracles of the World banner display. Don't miss Joe Heschmeyer, October 19th in Winterset. Register now at iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. And on today's show, we're visiting with Father Alex Kramer, who is a returning student to the Gregorian University studying canon law. And not your first time on the show, Father Alex, and it's so beautiful to, to call you that after being ordained to the priesthood in 2022 uh, at the cathedral. And so a beautiful thing. Uh, you've been uh, continuing your studies uh, which some people always say, oh, what a marvelous opportunity Rome. to be in Rome, Ooh. Rome. Uh, you're home for now five and a half years, right? And uh, looking to continue. Um, does this one, does one get kind of like, oh, yeah, been there, done that, you know? Trevi Fountain, how many times can you see that, right? I mean, you haven't had to pull these women who are filling their water bottles off the rocks of the Trevi Fountain or anything, <laughs> have you? <laughs> No, it's been a tremendous blessing, and to be honest, it's one that over the course of five and a half now, almost six years, uh, you can become complacent and really forget what a blessing it is, and actually that's where all the people from the diocese, from my family and friends that come over and visit, they remind me what a great gift it is. They see the Vatican, they see St. Peter's for the first time, and they're just amazed, whereas unfortunately in some respects, sometimes it becomes just it's just St. Peter's, like just a 30-minute mm-hmm. walk across town. There's Big Ben. Oh, there's St. Peter's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's take this way. It's much shorter. We don't have to go by St. Peter's. Right? <laughs> so uh, with that being said, it's one of the great benefits of meeting so many people from across the diocese who reach out, uh, who come on pilgrimage with the parish, with their parishes, and really kind of remind me of the great gift that I have being over there. Um, but it also provides an opportunity for me to uh, open up the city of Rome to them. I mean, I've lived there for uh, almost six years now, so there's a lot of things I know about the city of Rome, churches I like to pray in, 
uh, things I like to do, restaurants where I like to eat, <laughs> I can kind of direct them in the in their in the right direction, and they can have a more fulfilling and fruitful experience of the city of Rome, which for us Iowans can be so kind of big, overwhelming, loud uh, that you don't know what you're where you're getting yourself mm-hmm. into when you end up walking on the cobbled streets of Rome and uh, you, all this trying to dart across in Piazza della Venezia <laughs> or anything. You know? Oh yes, yeah. yeah. It's just it's a different world over there. So helping people navigate that to have a better experience too has been a great blessing in my life. So you're very gracious, very generous with your time, welcoming and acting as a quasi guide and, and a tour. But you are a full time student at the same time. <laughs> so uh, does that take a little bit of uh, discernment at times, or I mean, to you know, to trust and to be able to offer that to people? Yeah. Uh, I've gotten good about organizing my schedule and trying to make time for people, but sometimes it it doesn't work out. Uh, with the studies, I am a full-time student. Uh, most days of the week, I have four hours of class, and I'm a graduate student, so there's a lot of reading, a lot of work that goes into studying canon law and trying to understand uh, the nuances, the particular details that uh, our professors are going to look for us to be able to repeat back to them at the end of the year for a comprehensive exam. Um, so yeah, it is in Italian, in Italian or uh, English, <laughs> Italian, English, depending on the professor. So some know English and they can do English and others it's, it's only Italian. So you just make do with the Italian you have. And, uh, that's always a, an interesting one. The more tricky part is the, uh, we have our textbook, the code of canon law. Uh, we do get a copy of that. Uh, the only downside is it's only in Latin. There's no Italian. There's no English. We just get the code of canon law with all the laws in Latin so if you know Latin, you basically have the answer book, the answer key right there. Uh, but, of course, that is you know, easier said than done. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, Father Alex, did you want to study canon law, or was this something that Bishop Jonesson planted? big, mean bishop, you know. Yeah, big, mean bishop. <laughs> uh, a little bit of both, to be honest. Uh, I spent uh, one of my summers as a seminarian in Liverpool, England, uh, with two priests, Father Sean Patrick Riley and Father uh, John Poland, who both our canonists that serve in the Archdiocese of Liverpool and uh, talking with them and getting the opportunity to go and be in their chancery to understand what a canonist does really opened my eyes and my mind uh, to be, you know, interested in possibly studying canon law and uh, having a conversation with Bishop Johnson at the end of my third year of studies in Rome uh, as we're preparing to make the decision of what to study after uh, theology. Uh, it was my number two. I first requested to study liturgy uh, but thanks to Father Trevor Shequin, we've already got that covered. Uh, my second one was canon law, and so uh, I'm very happy to study canon law. Although it does, it is it is a very intensive degree. I mean, it's a three year degree, um, and it's a lot of classwork, a lot more time in class uh, than maybe some of the other de- uh, degree programs that uh, are available to us as students and uh, as dioceses to be able to ask guys to study them. So. Yeah, thank you for alluding to what really was some mutual discernment uh, between two of us. Obviously, mm-hmm. Father Ross Parker, you know, when you were still in the seminary, and others who, who put in a word for you that you had the capacity. And as I came to know you, you just struck me as, you know, you're just so level-headed and balanced, unpretentious, humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were not just one who either, you know, overt ambition or anything like that. And we're not just going to become a, a, you know, excuse the phrase, but a petty bureaucrat or something as well. But uh so, again, that fasting of, you know, it just seemed to make sense that already on track, you know, ordinarily I might think, give a man some experience in a parish, then he'll mm-hmm. have all these kind of real life situations in mind that then the studies, but then I'd be projecting my life path on somebody else. 
and you seem to be able to, to gain. And, you know, you've been attending to the human condition you know, all your life and living it in your own skin as well. Um, so, you know, not being in a parish as mm-hmm. your classmates are, has that been a, a, a kind of fasting for you? Yeah, it has been somewhat of a cross, uh, to be honest. I, you know, was ordained to to serve, to minister, to bring the sacraments to people. I wasn't ordained to to study canon law, even though that's been my first assignment as a priest. Uh, and I must admit, I do get jealous sometimes coming back home and having conversations with my classmates, Father Rodrigo and Father Nick Smith, and hearing about all the different things that they, they've been able to do in the past year, the experiences they've been able to have, uh, the many ways they've learned to grow and to bring Christ to to people that I haven't had because I've been in a classroom, I've been hitting the books, I've been you know out of the diocese, to be honest, for, for that time. So it has been a cross. At the same time, too, uh, having this time, these three months in the summer to come back home, to come back to the Diocese of Des Moines to serve in various capacities. This summer, I was very uh, happy to, again, return to Catholic Youth Camp as a chaplain for the second <laughs> half. Uh, that's a, it's a very particular assignment, but it's one that uh, I find uh, very refreshing. And, you know, you have studies sitting in your room, preparing for comprehensive exams, and then the next week, you're... You know, climbing milk cartons, <laughs> climbing milk cartons, going down the zip line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to think about how can I preach this gospel about the, you know, about divorce and marriage to <laughs> elementary kids. OK, this is going to be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a great gift for that me. That did come up like week 22, didn't it? It did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> marriage is like a zip line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And the old Eagle Scout is in, in place. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, children, I'm told, flock to you. They just really appreciate you. Uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I have a, a gift for ministry with children, but I'm just I, I am who I am. I uh, that's one of the things I think that the Lord's blessed me with is I'm unabashedly Father Alex Kramer. I just am who I am. If I'm uncomfortable with something, you know, I might try it, but I don't really try to be someone else. I don't pretend to be Father Reed Flood and try to do backflips. <laughs> yeah. That might be bad. But, what? Uh, <laughs> no black backflips? Uh, and I think, I think that's all the authenticity of just being who you are and using the gifts the Lord has given you is something that um, the young people flock to. I mean, to be honest, for many years, that was Father Ross. He was who he is. And that authenticity, I think, is just so um, attractive to our young people. They live in a world where everything is kind of like a virtual reality. And to have the authenticity, to have the concreteness of you know, the tangible experiences of being out at Catholic youth camp of uh, an off, often used example in a homily is, you know, when you need the help of God, when you need the help of the Holy Spirit, like when you're afraid of going down the zip line, like, what do you do? Do you just sit there and cry and pout? Or do you do what many of the staff do and encourage them to pray? Ask the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, ask for the Holy Spirit to help them. Uh, and it's really a beautiful way to see that the faith really does uh enliven our entire existence. It's not just the one hour a day when we're at mass with the campers, but really the faith is very much a part of all the activities, uh, even if it's, you know, not exactly the most overt ways, but it it really is still subtly there in the background, which has been a great gift for me to see and to um, be revitalized myself to be reminded, like, there is a hope for the church. Like, there are young people who are on fire with the faith, um, and they have some of the best questions, I must say. There are so many kids that come up during the summer and ask very difficult questions, questions that it seems like they've wanted to ask and probably have asked other people. Um, what does Canon 841 really say? No, they yeah. don't, they're not asking questions like that. No. <laughs> Although I might be able to tell them that answer too. <laughs> 
But you say the uh, just for clarification, uh, uh, the staff praying for themselves when they're going to go on the zip line or not for the, for the kids. <laughs> <Or> for the, <laughs> kids. <laughs> uh, the staff will pray with the campers who are afraid to go down the zip line or, you know, if they're a little homesick, they'll they'll take them to the chapel and, and pray with them there. Or, uh, have different ways of trying to, you know, move them to in those difficult times and circumstances pray as opposed to just uh, trying to handle it on them, their own, which I think is a beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. Um, remembering that we can turn to the Lord always in prayer uh, when we have difficulties. Not that it will solve everything, but that should always be one of the first things we do is just turn to the Lord in prayer and ask him for help. Mm. And uh, perhaps a little bit of a role of a kind of a assistant formator of some of the seminarians, as well as, you know, witnessing to all the other young people, including the staff. Uh, how, how's it a little different uh, not being a seminarian at camp or in that role? Yeah, uh, I mean, back in 2017, I was a seminarian on staff, so it was, uh, it's been a great blessing, but also, again, uh, a challenge as well to be essentially like a mentor to these seminarians, both last summer and this summer, because uh, they're all just so very different individuals. Um, they all had different gifts, different ways in which camp has been a blessing to them in different ways, which uh, it's been a cross that they have to bear. And uh, accompanying them, being with them, and being supportive, and just, to be honest, uh, being with there and being willing to have a conversation about the difficulties that they may be experiencing, I've found is to be one of the most important things to do, just being available to help them process uh, what's going on, because camp is such an intense place, there's very little sleep, uh, the food's maybe not the most nutritious as they might be used to. Uh, and it just can be a very stressful environment. So to be able to have the opportunity to be reminded, like, have you like talked to your seminary friends outside of the diocese? Have you talked to brother seminarians about this problem or uh, encouraging them and affirming them in the many ways in which they have shown and used their gifts throughout the summer has been uh, a great reminder to me as well of the many ways I still need to grow as a priest. Formation doesn't stop uh, at ordination. Formation is really just beginning uh, a new again at ordination, so it's been a great reminder to me as well of that constant, ongoing formation of priests. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and no. you know, folks need to check the Catholic Youth Camp website because the dates for next summer are already out. So you're going to want to get those on your calendar. Oh yes, yeah. And do we have like the Father Flood weeks and then the Father Kramer weeks? Or <laughs> yeah, but uh, you'll be looking to be returned and actually have a, a parish assignment by then next year. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. And let's remember, I mean. Not only fasting for you, but fasting for your family members and friends, your parents, Mary and Alan, you know, mm-hmm. Holy Trinity Parish, uh, that, the, you know, you're not just within uh, two hours or less, you know, mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. but, uh, and of course the, the calls as well. But uh, so, uh, and St. Anthony's kind of become your home away from home here, is uh, right? As you, where you lay your head, I understand. Is that correct? Yep. They've got a guest room that's always got my name on it. So yeah, I've been very great, grateful to Father Chris Rising and Father Rodrigo for hosting me this last month since camp ended, but also... Uh, when I come home for Holy Week and Easter last uh, this past spring, they hosted me, allowed me to join for all their parish celebrations, which was a great blessing to be back in the parish for Holy Week and Easter. I mean, yes, it's a great blessing to be with the Holy Father for those events, um, but to be in a parish truly is where I feel most at home in those uh, in those days and those times, because that's where I really came to experience my faith back at Holy Trinity, uh, being able to be partake in the, the liturgies of Holy Week, to be able to uh, then go on to altar serve and then MC those events. Uh, and then eventually now as a priest to be able to partake and be a concelebrant and God willing someday a celebrant of these liturgies, these holy, solemn holy days of the year uh, is something I very much look forward to. So it's just great to be back in that parish setting and uh, reminded of, again, this is what we're all here for. We're here and we celebrate and remember Christ's gift of his life, the gift of the Eucharist, gift of the priesthood, 
and the gift of eternal life that we get through uh, the resurrection. So, yeah. Oh, tremendous. Um, it's beautifully said. Um, and then yet you talked about people coming from Des Moines and the, the, the diocese and beyond to, to connect with you while you're there. But you're also kind of the elder brother for two of our Des Moines uh, seminarians as well. Michael Mahoney uh, ordained uh, just recently to the mm-hmm. transitional diaconate in St. Peter's Basilica, as you were. Uh, mm-hmm. And and, mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, to have him and now Connor Lynch from St. Thomas Aquinas Parish in Indianola. Uh, talk about that dynamic and just having other Des Moines men in your in your circle of life. Sure, yeah. It's been a great blessing to not be alone this year. Last year I was the only Des Moines uh, priest or seminary in the whole uh, city of Rome. So it's been great to have uh, both Connor and now Deacon Mike back uh, to Rome. And uh, it's one of those things where we're very intentional about meeting up and having our, our weekly fraternity. So every Tuesday we go out to have coffee together before school as just a way of getting together and just how was the weekend? How are things been going? Uh, just spending that time together has been great, as well as the Iowa nights on Thursday evenings after their formation conferences in the evenings at the North American College I go up and join them for uh, about an hour of fraternity, just, again, enjoying each other's company, asking how formation went, uh, especially now this year as uh, Deacon Mike prepares to become a priest. There is always an opportunity to talk about his experience of confession practica, anointing practica, uh, and the actual tangible preparations for priesthood. So to be able to basically provide the guidance and support that I received from priests like Father Reed Flood, uh, Father James Downey, over the course of my years in, in Rome, it's been a great gift to give that back as well. And uh, you mentioned going up the hill to the Pontifical North American College. You are in the, the Pontifical North American, but the graduate division, so the Casa Santa Maria, right, in the historic Correct. center near the Gregorian University. So you're yes. literally uh, a minute away from your, your educational institution. Yeah, about 30 seconds walk. It's pretty convenient. Okay. Not too shabby. We're going to take a little longer break than that. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsara.org, join S-E-R-R-A.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. It's the Iowa Catholic Radio Pro-Life Diaper Drive. October is the month dedicated to pro-life, and Iowa Catholic Radio is celebrating all month long. Bring your donation of new diapers of any size to the Iowa Catholic Radio Studios, 1355 50th Street, Suite 500 in West Des Moines, next to Inner Visions. Wipes, thermometers, nail clippers, bath items, sleep sacks, and swaddles are also needed. Be part of the Iowa Catholic Radio Pro-Life Diaper Drive during the month of October, supporting Inner Visions Healthcare. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you, Father Alex Kramer, for being with us. And uh, uh, among the the ferment of Rome, uh, major events, ecclesially and otherwise, that take place there, uh, the Ryder Cup was last <laughs> week in in Rome. Uh, that created its own uh, frisson of energy a little bit. And oh yeah, uh, you know that uh, when golf fans become football fans, almost mm-hmm. you know, and all that they're about. But uh, you know, we've got something happening, a synod on synodality. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe with a little bit of canonical flair, you know, uh, can you tell us about this? And, of course, it's just unfolding. It just started two days ago. Sure. And so we don't have a lot, but there's been a lot of buildup to this. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of excitement in the air here in Rome, and uh, the Synod on Synodality has been in the works now for several years, and some people are very concerned about what's going to happen, but many people are looking forward to see how uh, this instrument, this Synod, uh, will help benefit the Church. So maybe a little bit of background on what Synods are as uh, law. So Synods were a new tool developed after the Second Vatican Council by Pope Paul VI. They were meant to provide the opportunity for bishops from around the world to gather together in Rome and basically share in their part of the world what's going on with a particular topic. So in the past, we've had synods on priestly formation, and documents come out uh, from those synods are going to be like Pastoris Dababobis, uh, the great document which uh, really kind of led the way to revitalizing seminary formation by John Paul II. And so Pope Francis has utilized his uh, authority as Bishop of Rome, as pastor of the Universal Church, to... Uh, mold supreme legislator, supreme right? legislator, exactly. <laughs> yes, uh, to mold the the synod to be something maybe that's a little bit more appropriate to our day and age, uh, as opposed to just bringing bishops together to talk about things. He sees the importance and the need to bring multiple voices, many perspectives together to talk about uh, the state of the church and this topic of synodality, uh, this understanding of what the church is and how the church is to be. I mean, ultimately, synodality comes down to an ecclesiological question: How does the church understand herself and uh, we like to think that the Second Vatican Council is all settled and done, uh, but many of these topics were the topics of the Second Vatican Council. And, you know, there's in recent years been kind of a reshuffling, a re-emergence uh, of some of these debates on what we understand the church to be, which is not a bad thing. It's one of those things that the church is always uh, coming to deeper and more full knowledge of herself. And I think that in these days, uh, hopefully we'll get to see uh, the perspective of what the church is not only from the from the perspective of bishops and cardinals, but also from the perspective of the lay fief, the lay faithful, the those who really are in their day to day lives living out the faith and bringing the gospel throughout the whole world more effectively than any of us who are ordained uh, can do. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what the Senate and, and that has to was bring. really uh, the part of the ingredients of the the run up to this was mm-hmm. the listening and the consultation that occurred at that level. So it wasn't just bishops conferring with each other or a clerical affair. This was really speaking to the people of God, listening to them hearing their concerns and uh, their wounds and, and all that. Uh, so I think, you know, that that goes forward. And then the Holy Father using his pastoral prerogative to invite members of the mm-hmm. laity, which is a novel feature, is it not, uh, for synods? It is, yeah. Normally it really is just the bishops who are gathered together and, and talk about what we, what they call the instrumentum laboris, the, the working document. And then uh, over the course of their time meeting, they'll refine it and basically have a final working document that they submit to the Holy Father, which often leads to a, a papal document. Uh, following the synod, usually about a, six months to a year later. Uh, and this is a unique synod as well, not only just because the lay faithful are invited to join, but also because uh, the synod is taking place over the course of two years. So this October, October 2023, is just the first meeting uh, of the synod. And next year, they'll meet again in Rome to, again, work on that uh, working document to try to finalize uh, what the Synod has come to understand is synodality and present that to the Holy Father. So great patience is needed. Uh, for some, there are apprehensions. You know, is, are there mm-hmm. those with agenda, uh, agenda uh, that might, they might bring into this? Uh, and so uh, as a young priest, what, your, your trust in the Holy Spirit, your hope, uh, what would you want to see come forth from this? Yeah, I just hope the Holy Spirit is at work and that uh, you know, those who have been called to be members of the Synod get the opportunity to speak the words that uh, that they need to speak and that they can be heard. Well, you've spoken well to us, Father Kramer. Blessings on your studies. I look to connect with you uh, at various moments uh, throughout the year. And thank you for the way you've blessed us this summer here in Des Moines. You're welcome. Well, that's been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thanks to our guest, Father Alex Kramer, and all of our listeners in Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Rome, 
or wherever you may be listening to Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org. 